What up, everybody? My name is Tim Black. Welcome back to Tim's Table. Table. That's right, Tim's Table. This is episode number 36. And we are back at it, folks. And on tonight's show, we're going to cover news from the Comedy Cellar in New York. Two of my favorite doctors, Dr. Cornell West and Dr. Norman Finkelstein. They had a conversation, a conversation that was far-reaching. We want to talk about that. There's a mayor in a little town called Dalton, Illinois. Woo! She a mess, y'all. She's a mess, y'all. Her name is Tiffany Hayward. Haynard. Haynard. We're going to talk about that. The Democratic Party is really on the ropes, guys. It's really on the ropes. I'm talking about the last gasps of air. Or is it? Or is it, man? Is it? But we're going to start today's show off with some clapping for the losing of Sheila Jackson Lee losing the mayor race out there in Houston. The mayor race. Give it up for that. It's a good place to start. An excellent place to start tonight's show. So, um, Sheila Jackson Lee, representative of the 18th District out there in Houston. She ran for mayor and it didn't go exactly as she had planned. The wheels came off the buggy, so to speak. Okay? And just to give you a more vivid picture of what I mean by the wheels coming off, this is what the wheels coming off the buggy looks like. John Whitmer, 65 to 35%. That's almost a twofer. She got lapped. Okay? Now, don't everybody clap at once, but do clap. People are talking about it. People are talking about it, man. But I wanna, I wanna have a real good conversation with this. I wanna, I wanna really unpack this for you guys, because what I'm seeing is a lot of broad strokes and a lot of wishful thinking. And frankly, I don't know where this is gonna go, guys. I'm not really sure if this conversation is really good for business. In fact, I think it's not good for business because people like lies. Yeah, man. People like lies. Lies are comforting. Lies make you feel good. Do I look fat in these jeans? Did I put it down, baby? Let me say this real clearly for everybody so they understand. I'm not saying that Sheila Jackson Lee did not lose black support. She did. Okay? My point is, that's not the only reason why she lost. And we I want us to get stronger as a voting block to be able to stop who we don't want and get who we do want. And this loss that Sheila Jackson Lee suffered has other factors that caused her to lose besides us not showing up. It's also her. So what I'm saying is, let's not do so many victory laps that we lapse our judgment and don't focus on what we need to focus on to build our coalition stronger so that we can actually get out other undesirables. Because Sheila Jackson Lee is still in Congress, y'all. 
We now know Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee's plans for the future. She will seek re-election to Congress after losing her bid for Houston's mayor. She is looking for her 16th term representing Texas's 18th district. Her plans if re-elected, here's just a bit. I also have seen in my congressional office over the past couple of months the high number of evictions. And we worked on those evictions and tried to settle persons wherever we could. But I know there needs to be more dollars that can be utilized by our housing agencies to help stop evictions, to create more affordable housing for our young families, for seniors, and simply um, young students. Jackson Lee is running against one of her former interns, former Houston City Council member Amanda Edwards. I refuse to lie to you. I got this thing called ethics. If you believe in nonsense lie, then Sheila Jackson Lee lost the Houston mayor race because she don't have a black agenda. You tripping. So I'm looking at the data between 2019 when Sylvester Turner ran against a Tony Busby. And they went to a runoff election in 2019. And the results were a little bit different, okay? Um, in 2019, Sylvester Turner won his race 56% to 43% against Tony, Tony Busby. What I'm looking at here is the turnout. And the turnout was 202,000 voters turned out to vote for the mayoral runoff election in 2019. They had to go to a runoff as well. What I'm looking at here with Sheila Jackson Lee and John Whitmer is Whitmer skunked her, but the turnout was particularly the same. Slight difference. This year's election, 201,127 votes. So it's only a 1,000 vote difference. A little less than a 1,000 vote difference between the 2019 runoff and the 2023 runoff. So what I'm saying is, what I'm getting from that is, people just don't like Sheila Jackson Lee. And they turned out in about the same numbers. It doesn't appear that black voters stayed home. Just seems like they chose some. They chose the guy who wanted to add more police. <laughs> Get what I'm saying? Like it's not like they said, "Okay, we're tired of her. We're not going to support her. We're staying home." It's people came out and voted. Even slightly more people, slightly less people came out than in 2019. But those people voted for the other Democrat. That I didn't say, forget these Democrats. They just voted for a different Democrat, which tells me that we have work to do. Okay? We have work to do because Whitmer is not amazing. He's not, he doesn't have a black agenda. He doesn't have reparations on his program. He doesn't have an immigration bill to help black folks. He's not promising to do anything for black people in particular better than Sheila Jackson Lee. That's my point. And I know, look, I know people want to shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what it is. It is what it is. Okay? I'm not a Sheila Jackson Lee supporter. I cannot stand her politics. Um, and, and But I'm looking at the data. I'm telling you what it is. And I just want to remind people we got work to do. That's all I'm saying. We have work to do. We're going to have to make a choice. Do we want, which one we want? Do we want reality or do we want fake?
Sheila Jackson Lee was outspit, out fundraised, and never expected to win it all. I know you wanted to be something else. I know you wanted to be because you watched such and such as a video and you guys are so strong on the internets. I know that's what you want. God, I wish it was true too. I wish it was true that Tim Black's Tim Black's voice is so loud across social media with millions of views. I was able to sway an election away from a crony capitalist sellout fake black leader and I was able to help thwart an election with the help of all types of people that are galvanized around this idea. They're black, and, and that black people are so coming together that we're uniting behind the voice of rebelling against the Democratic Party, pushing for tangible results, not happy to sit back and be second-class citizens in a country we built for free against our will. I would love for that to be the case, Johnson. I find no... There is absolutely no happiness in telling you this. What I'm telling you is Sheila Jackson Lee lost to John Whitmer, the Democrat, in the runoff election because the numbers were never in her favor. Because John Whitmer had a lot of support from people in the local district. As much as you can't stand, as much as most of the people watching the show can't stand Sheila Jackson Lee, she was running more towards the left than John Whitmer. And we have a country that's going more towards the right. I know that's not going to jive well with our criticism of her. Our criticism, my criticism of her, is independent of whatever her ideology is. Most of it is faux anyway, okay? John Whitmer beat Sheila Jackson Lee almost two to one, running on cutting down crime. He ran on expanding the police force. He ran on getting corruption out of politics and cutting crime and building infrastructure. That's what he ran on. Sheila Jackson Lee ran on Fighting against Trump and saving democracy or whatever the hell that is. And all of that is, those are hard lines. That's what their campaigns were focused on, guys. Sheila Jackson Lee was an anti-MAGA group, okay? And it's crazy in a red state. Texas is red, Johnson. And Trump won Texas. Easy. So, see, these are the real reasons why, but when people don't do any due diligence. So, like I said, if you're running around, and if you've heard earlier today, or if you heard earlier this week, that Sheila Jackson Lee lost because she wasn't supporting black people enough, you need to go back to that commentator and consider what the hell are they talking about? What else aren't they telling me? What other research are they not doing? I'm sorry, Johnson. Because, see, there, see, Mrs. Black told me not to say names and out of respect for my wife, I'm not saying names. But, see, I take this very 
seriously. Because those people that are spewing these lies, these people who are trying to pretend that this movement we're trying to build is so strong, we could stop someone like Sheila Jackson Lee from winning a, a, a mayoral race. You are undermining. You are undermining the purpose of the movement. You're undermining what the work we're going to have to do. See, look, man, as a coach, I got to tell you, our defense sucks. I got to tell you, we got to get off off the line of scrimmage quicker. We got to snap the ball quicker. We need to get back in the huddle. We got to convert on third down more often. If it was basketball, I got to tell you, we got to guard the rim. We got to man up. We got to play a zone. I got to tell you what's going on. I can't just say we're doing good. Meanwhile, you look up at the scoreboard and we're getting our asses kicked. And those people are willing to tell you we're doing good. When you look up on the scoreboard, we're getting our asses kicked. And I'm trying to tell you how we not get our asses kicked. I'm trying to tell you how we can actually win a couple games, score a couple buckets, score a couple touchdowns, actually put up a good showing. And these people are undermining my intentions. They're undermining the black community by lying to the black community, lying to the black viewers that I want to galvanize because it'll help them pocketbooks. So I'm not going to name no names tonight, but I'm going to be very, very clear. It's a new day. If you are spewing nonsense to my viewers, if you're telling the people that I'm trying to reach cozy, warm, snuggly lies just to pad your fucking pockets, you are a scum of the earth, and I'm coming for you. And I'm not going to do it today, but I'm going to strongly consider it. Because if the people don't understand why Sheila Jackson Lee really lost, how can we ever galvanize to truly stop the Sheila Jackson Lees? How can we stop the Maxine Waters, the Jim Clyburns, the Jakeem Hef the, the Hakeem Jeffries? How can we stop them if you dumb... If how can we ever hope to stop these people that are no good for our communities, only good for themselves? And we got people running around with audiences, large audiences of people lying to them, telling them all is good and that we're making progress. Now, what we got is people who have set up organizations that basically benefit themselves. What we have is people who are making money for themselves, starting all types of activities and buildings and things of that nature, but it benefits them. It don't benefit. How does it benefit us? How does it benefit you? Somebody cutting a record or someone starting a memorabilia line or whatever the hell they're doing. How does that benefit the movement of actually shaking these people up? Man, don't you realize when it's just a money grab going on? Folks, we got we to gotta, we gotta do so much better, man. If people, if you believed, if you heard earlier today or this week that Sheila Jackson Lee lost because she didn't support black people enough, go. Sheila Jackson Lee focused on being a reliable Democrat in a time when Democrats are in the toilet. In a state that's very anti-Democrat, she was running on, I'm the most reliable Democrat. You can't even run as a reliable Democrat amongst Democrats. That's how bad being a Democrat really is right now in certain places, especially red states. And the whopping reason why she lost, thanks to his long time in the Senate, he brought a massive war chest to the campaign and outraged Jackson 4-1 to 1 
and out spent her 10 to 1. Listen, he out he out fundraised her 4 to 1. So for every $25 she had, he had 100. But the last statistic's even worse. Because when it shows he outspent her 10 to 1, means she was like, hey, man, I'm not wasting my money on this. I saved my money for my election. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Now, how could you miss this very important stat with having a conversation about Shula Jackson Lee losing the mayor's race? I mean, I don't have a team of people investigating this. It's just me. It's just me. How was I able to find out this information? Is it buried? Did I have to go pretend to be Indiana Jones and go on a quest? Did I have to travel to the bottom of the sea like the Ocean Gate? Did I have to plunge hundreds of miles beneath the surface of the earth? In a bottle. Risk life and limb to discover this information. It wasn't just everywhere. The numbers that showed how bad Sheila Jackson Lee was doing were out there this whole time. Listen, man. Whitmer led her in every public poll of the contest. Forty-two percent to thirty-five percent were twenty-two percent undecided. That was back in early November. Indicating Jackson Lee had been unable to gain more momentum after winning 36% of the vote in November. The November 7th election to Whitmer's 43. So they went to a runoff because no one got a over 50%. So they do a runoff election. Here's the thing. In the first, in the, in the primary she got 35 points, 36 points. She dropped one point. So all of the drama, all of the talk, the, the audio coming out that made her look horrible, she only lost one digit of support. The problem was she didn't gain any support. Okay? So did she lose because of the tape? It didn't help her. It did not help her. The undecided people all went for Whitmer. Do you understand where I'm coming from, though? Do you understand the importance of us getting this right? See, if we don't get it right with Sheila Jackson Lee and we just knee-jerking out of reflex, out of wanting to make you feel good, out of wanting to, to get some wins, after wanting to feel like we all having some impact, we just blanketly just proclaim, they're going down, Jack, without any real evidence of that. Come on, Johnson. Sheila Jackson Lee's not a very well-liked person anyway. Do you understand who we're talking about here? We're not talking about mispopularity. We're not talking about somebody who, who wins, who's a winning, who has res, who's so charismatic. We're not talking about somebody who's loved and adored. We're talking about somebody who's despised. It was deep. It was I, me. I have been spoken to like that, actually. 
alleged audio of Democratic Texas Congresswoman and mayoral candidate Sheila Jackson Lee really letting her staff have it. I mean, she goes all out. She says all kind of words, a lot of bad words. People are really upset about it. Her former uh, colleague, Adam Kinziger, weighed in saying her treatment of staff has been an open secret. But when Lee's staff was asked to comment, they called it a political hit job. What to do, what to do. <laughs> they want to keep their job, so they're not going to confirm it. But someone who she was talking to must have been recording her recording her i mean she is it is an open secret i have friends that are you know have worked for the congressional black caucus and they were like oh yeah that's sheila i was like really speaking to people like that i mean she said um <laughs> well there's a lot we can't say but she said she called them two blank big ass children and blank yeah, idiots who serve no blank purpose. Ooh. I mean, it was deep. It was I, I have been spoken to like that, actually, and it's hurtful, it's harmful, and that's why she has one of the yeah, highest turnover rates. Yeah, that's just me rates. calling you terms of endearment. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I, I thought, uh, and, and first of all, honestly, I cuss, okay? I cuss, no. I cuss. I cuss in three languages. She if does. I'm drunk, I can do it in five. <laughs> but I think there's a difference between cussing and cussing somebody out, denigrating them. This was verbal and abuse. This thing for is you. so bad that we can't even play a little bit of it. Well, this we is, can't play a little bit of it because it's all blue. It's all. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's emotional abuse. It's yeah. it's toxic. It frankly, if she was anything other than a congresswoman, she'd probably be taken to HR and fired. But yeah. but since there's no speaker, who's going to censure her? Yeah. Who's going to refer her to the ethics committee? Who's going to you know? I mean, it's well, it's an me, embarrassment. Let me. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I say, as long back as, like, 2014, when I first started working on Capitol Hill, it was an open secret. Open secret. She was always rated one of the worst bosses on Capitol Hill. She, uh, 2018, ranked the worst um, for having the highest turnover rate. Yep. 11 different chiefs of staff in 11 years. Okay. Someone commented that Houston is actually very blue. Do you understand that there's blue and then there's bloom? Now, seriously, do you understand that there is blue and then there's blue? Okay. Let me, let me break this down for you. John Whitmer supports the police. He supports the police. He got endorsed by the police unions. You understand what I'm saying? See, people, people think that these, these, these titles, Democrat, Republican, they think they actually mean a whole lot. They, they mean something to a marginal amount of people, but really what matters is your politics, okay? What matters is what you actually support. John Whitman wanted to increase policing. I just recently did a video about uh, some of the, the, the stealing, the shoplifting that's going on that we're seeing all this film of. And I wanted to try to alert people that the reason why you're seeing that because it's election time, Johnson. It's sort of like years ago when we saw these videos talked about the knockout. The knockout epidemic is sweeping the country because there were a couple of isolated events of people punching people in the face. So they called it the knockout game. Yeah, the knockout game is happening all over the country. It wasn't happening all over the country. There's a few isolated incidents that were caught on camera of people getting punched. People get punched all the time, Johnson, but for some reason they built a narrative around this thing and people said it was happening everywhere. 
I didn't see any data that actually showed what's happening everywhere. Same thing with the shoplifting. Shoplifting is up 16% in certain states, but it's sad everywhere. Crime is actually down overall, but they're selling the narrative that crime is up and everybody got to protect themselves and everybody's got to be super worried. And one of the things that work really well, which is the reason why you hear about it all the time, is we need to prevent crime and people's safety. People care about the safety of their families. Okay? That's like one of the key things that all voters, whether they're Democrat or Republican, care about. And if you own the real estate of we're going to make you safe, it can really help your campaign. And that's what John did. And you know how I know? Because here goes the Houston police chief giving props to John. was in attendance, Houston Police Chief Troy Finner. We had a chance to speak with him about how he thinks about our new mayor of the city of Houston. I feel good about it. Uh, he, he's a, a great man, uh, a lot of respect in our city. It's just important that everybody works together and keep moving our city forward. And uh, a new mayor come in with his own ideas, and everybody need to respect that and move forward. Real simple. But there it is, Johnson. Everybody needs to respect the fact that John Whitmer is a Democrat. I don't see it very often. And you would, at least I wouldn't think of it automatically that a Democrat would get the endorsement of, of the police union, of the police chief. But John Whitmer did. So here's my thing, Johnson. This idea, and I know it's not going to be popular with some people because some people want to believe what they want to believe. Do you really think, do you really think Sheila Jackson Lee lost because she didn't uh, support reparations? Do you really think that? Or do you think it had more to do with the fact that Sheila Jackson Lee's support was from people from outside the state, like Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, and John Whitmer was more of a household name around the state Senate. He had connections there. That's what I tend to believe, Johnson. And look, I would love, I would love for it to be that we put so much pressure. You don't think I want it to be the other way? You don't believe I want us to say, to be able to say, to have a feather in our cap, to have the bragging rights, to have the credibility, to be able to scare other politicians by saying, look, See what we did to Sheila Jackson Lee. But if you're running around giving people the impression that we stopped Sheila Jackson Lee because we don't like her politics, because she's not black supporting enough, people are going to sniff out that easily, debunk it, and then realize or label us as liars and that we aren't honest and we're claiming to have power that we don't have. I personally believe we got to get the power to have it. And how are we going to have people dig deep, work towards gaining that power, be motivated to build that power, to see the urgency of us building that power if they think they already have it? Nah. Nah, we're not going to build the power by lying to ourselves. No, I'm not a Sheila Jackson. Are you kidding me? And I know that I gotta, I gotta imagine that people here who haven't seen my show before. 
Nah, man, I'm not a Sheila Jackson Lee supporter. And no, I don't live in Houston. And no, I'm not saying she lost. What I'm upset about, I'm not saying about anything. What I'm upset about is the narrative that you can... I've seen a couple of people upset racist where they run on a platform that is so robust, right? It's so robust that it's able to unseat an incumbent. Sheila Jackson Lee had the support of the former mayor who had term limited out, and she still couldn't do better than 30, 35% of the vote in a runoff election. That's horrible. That's horrible. That's that says it all, right? The guy who had the job, who termed out, did so well, was so popular they were termed out, and couldn't run again, has to step down, doesn't seek re-election, endorses Sheila Jackson Lee, and what happens? She can't carry the torch? What has Sheila Jackson Lee done to advance black, black Americans? What has she done to advance any Americans? This is, Sheila Jackson Lee is an opportunist. She runs, jumps in front of cameras. She runs and jumps in front of... This goes all the way back to George W. Bush. She's really good at kissing ass. That's why she has a relationship with the Hillary's, because the Hillary Clinton group, by and large, are one of the most transactional type of politics you'll ever have. It's been long noted that the Clintons kept a running list of who they liked and who they hated. And who they liked were people that supported them and who they hated or anybody who opposed them. And they would go out of their way into their dying day to make their lives horrible. Sheila Jackson Lee hitched her wagon to the Clintons a long time ago. Here's the thing. It's not always going to be effective. Even if you are a kisser, a butt kisser of Hillary and Bill Clinton. It's all about does the district give a damn. Do the district give a damn about Hillary Clinton? I don't know. You say Houston's very blue. They not so blue that they give a damn about Hillary. Get what I'm saying? Anyway. Now, Sheila Jackson Lee is a native of New York. She moved to Texas. And uh, what it, it is what it is. It is what it is. It says here she, uh, she, she uh, was elected first in 1984. She's a very successful congressperson, meaning... She's able to retain her seat. I don't know how many millions of dollars she's worth. I'm more, I know it's more than a couple. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the demographics. 20% black. Is that correct? I don't know everything about Houston. I know there are people that live in Houston. And uh, let's see if she just did this or just did that. You know, I'm not certain. I, I, I don't... Look, I'm not certain that she couldn't have been helped by having a more pro-black agenda. Um, I'm not certain. Would she have made up the deficit of two to one? Get what I'm saying? I mean, we obviously know John Whitmer doesn't have a pro-black agenda. He want to lock up more blacks. Whenever you say pro-police, that's exactly what you're saying. We're not kids here. We understand 
how America has historically run elections, how these talking points, whether they're Republicans, D's, or R's on their shirt, we understand what these coded language means, right? We do understand law and order means lock up black people. Who do you think they're talking about locking up? Yeah, we got some black people. And the black people that want law and order, they're from a class of people that don't think the cops are coming for their kids. That's another problem I have with well-to-do black folks or upper-middle-class black folks who think, well, it ain't got nothing to do with me, it's got to do with poor blacks. Hey, I'm just telling you what the deal is. It is what it is. It is what it is. Sheila Jackson Lee lost. I'm not surprised she lost. What I'm saying is, we if we want to get stronger, we actually want to impact these elections, we're going to have to realize we got to play the long game. We got to realize we got to do this for several years. Means we got to we got to spread the word. We got to grow our numbers. We have to grow our numbers so we can impact elections. So we can thwart the election of someone like Sheila Jackson Lee. That we can be strategic in stopping Hakeem Jeffries. You get what I'm saying? But we're not going to be able to accomplish that if we think we already accomplished that when we didn't. Because some talking here told you we did, who can't present you with a single solitary data point that proves that. And if and look, I'm open to be corrected. Send me the data that shows she would have won because of this, or she would have won because of that. Show it to me. Show it to me. It doesn't exist, Johnson. I looked. You're not going to find it. So to make that assertion, if you're going to make that assertion that she lost because she wasn't black enough, you got to be able to prove it. You can't just say it. Supporting black folks is a minus in most elections, particularly against a white guy. You understand? I think she would have did even worse. No one's really accepting that she's a champion for black people anyway. What black people really think that about Sheila Jackson Lee? Is that her brand? Is that on brand for her? Or would it be seen as hollow words to most people? I think she's estab as establishment as they come. I mean, people look at the outside package. Look at her skin color. She's an older black woman. And they start thinking, they see Rosa Parks or something. She ain't Rosa Parks. She ain't Coretta Scott King. You know, she's Sheila Jackson Lee, an opportunist, a capitalist, and a rude one at that. An arrogant blowhard who's abusive to her employees. That's who she really is. And everybody knows it. All right. We're going to keep going. We ain't going to stay here, Johnson. Boy, I'm on fire tonight. The whole point is that if you want to actually win something, we got to get our heads out of our asses, and we got to stop believing lies, even if the lies feel good, sound good, make you feel good, okay? Okay. <coughs> All right, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk about Cornell West and his meeting with uh, Dr. Norman Finkelstein. That'll be good. What's coming up? 
This show is brought to you by people that subscribe to this channel who become members of the Tim Black Show. Go to jointimblack.com to become a member of the show and keep this independent, black-focused media active and growing and doing the work that we need to do in order to put us in a position where we control our destiny. Go to jointimblack.com become a member. Not at $50 a month, not at $30 a month, but starting at only $5 a month. $10 if you're froggy. $5 a month, become a member of the show and make independent media work for us. Be a part of the new black media. Do it today. Moving on. We can stay there all night. I see some people. It is what it is. Dr. Cornell West's campaign is continuing, guys. Dr. Cornell West and Dr. Norman Finkelstein, they appeared at the Comedy Cellar in New York where they had a conversation. It was a very interesting conversation. I got some clips I want to share with you regarding that. Um, here's the thing. Let me set this up for you. One of my main concerns about Dr. West is that I don't know if people are ready for Dr. West. And I know I hear people say that they are ready, but I don't know if they're really ready. See, it seems to me like some people want Dr. West to be very simple. They want him to be very basic. Dr. West is anything but simple and anything but basic. Is that who he is? They say they want Dr. West, but they don't want Dr. West to be Dr. West. As one of the foremost supporters of Dr. West with a platform in this new space, I got to tell you, Johnson, there's something that I'm noticing. People want laser focus on a few issues, but not all issues. Only the issues that they care about, which is really not that rare. That's how most people operate. Only problem is, that's not how a philosopher and a public intellectual, intellectual operates. Yeah, philosophers, which is what Dr. Cornell West is, way before he decided to run for office, don't tend to just focus on a couple little things. Nor do they tend to only fight certain battles that you want them to fight. They just, it's not who he is, it's not what, he, what he's about, nor has he ever been about that. People don't want a politician. They say they don't want a politician. Here's the other thing. I'm not sure they want a scholar either. And this is upsetting me because I believe that Dr. Cornell West is obviously the best candidate. That's why I support him. I thought this, and I've been a supporter of Dr. West way before he started running for office. He started coming on my show back in 2019. Him running for office and me having the luxury of supporting him is just something that happened. So Dr. West had a conversation with Dr. Norman Finkelstein and at the Comedy Center, Comedy Cellar. Dr. Norm is a philosopher himself. He's an American political scientist and an activist. He went to Princeton. He's critically, he's critically acclaimed. His parents survived the Nazi Holocaust. He's known for his controversial writings since his doctoral thesis at Princeton, positions himself, himself as, a, as a forensic scholar, something he's going to talk about in the clip I'm about to play and what that means. 
Dr. Finkelstein has been a very huge critic of what he considers are pseudo-scholarly arguments, particularly those targeting prominent writers and scholars who believe he, who he believes misrepresent the facts to defend Israel's politics and its practices. So Dr. Finkelstein has been on the record going after certain folks like Alan Dershowitz who alter the facts to suit the Zionist movement, to suit, to suit Israel's practices and apartheid state of Palestinians. There you go. So that's what he does. So, of course, Dr. Finkelstein has lost a lot of opportunities. He's enraged those in power simply for speaking the truth that he sees it from the findings that he's unshelved or uncovered, okay? And the conclusions that he's drawn based on his analysis. So, he has paid a cost to be the boss. With that in mind, Remembering that this is a forensic analyst. He looks and does a smell test on other intellectuals. Here goes Dr. Finkelstein talking about Dr. West in the presence of Dr. West at the Comedy Cellar. He's singing in tune. I'm singing out of tune. These people who are battered battered and battered by this sick system. And now we have, and I mean this sincerely, and maybe it's just complete wishful thinking, but I'm hoping against hope. Dr. West, his campaign had a couple of false starts. I think he'll acknowledge that. And I said, okay, it's something new for him. Uh, Bernie Sanders had been a politician his whole life, so he knew sort of the ropes of running a campaign. For Dr. West, it's something new. But I hope, and I hope, and I hope against hope that he's going to be able to pull it off. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> there are many things to be said about Dr. West and most of you already know him by reputation. There was one thing I learned very belatedly. I never trust people in power. I never trust people who make it. Uh, I always feel there's a lot of skeletons in the closet of anybody who's made it in our system. And so I was dubious about Dr. West's stardom. He was at one point, most young people won't remember, in the 1990s, he was what was called part of the Harvard Dream Team, namely four professors, African-American professors, who hit the scene and uh, were very prominent on, uh, in, in the entertainment world and also in the academic world. And I'm always dubious, doubtful about people who make it that way. But a couple of, uh, but a couple of months ago, I started this tiny little podcast, which died on October 7th, or was displaced by October 7th. And I figured, OK, every time I open up a podcast, there's Dr. West. He's on this podcast, this podcast, this podcast, this podcast, this podcast. 
And on many of them, he's on four and five times. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? If he's on all of these, why shouldn't he be on mine? So I contacted him. He was very agreeable. Uh, but I'm an old-fashioned person. Um, Mao Zedong, I used to be a Maoist. And Mao Zedong famously said, no investigation, no right to speak. Which basically means if you don't know what the F you're talking about, then shut the F up. <laughs> so I wrote Dr. West and I said, before I do this interview with you, I wanted to be serious. Give me things to read. And he sent me three books to read. Um, and one of them was the Cornell West Reader. And I started to read it. And I have to say, this is, I'm not a BSer, I'm not a groveler, I'm not a lick spittle. I was, I was totally, I was totally humbled. I mean, I spent a lot of my adult life being a forensic scholar. That means looking for frauds. And so, I know all the telltale signs. I know people who pad their bibliographies. I know people who claim to have read books that they didn't read. But then when I start to read him, Okay, I'm thinking, okay, let's say he has a chapter in Russian novelists. I mean, what the hell does he know about Russian novelists? <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'm serious. I'm telling you honestly. But then he, he at one point, he, retur he refers to five Russian novels, obscure ones, not the well-known ones. And he starts talking about the commonalities between the main characters in each of the novels. And he's naming the characters. I think, this is for real. <laughs> you, I know BS. And so uh, that's my way of saying, if he makes it or comes close to making it, uh, it'll be a historic event in many ways. But one of the ways will be, I would say, with the exception of Teddy Roosevelt, and maybe Woodrow Wilson, he would probably be the best red person ever to sit in the Oval Office. That's a fact. No, that's, well, that's that, very kind. That's very, 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 very kind, my friends. Definitely, definitely. But the important thing, of course, is not, not what you read and how much you read, but it's the kind of human being you choose to be in regard to your courage, in regard to your vision, in regard to what you're willing to sacrifice, give up the burden that you're willing to bear. All of us are cracked vessels. And in many ways, as you say in my church, Shiloh Baptist Church, we're just trying to love our crooked neighbor with our crooked hearts. Yeah. Wow. Now that's what you call a ringing endorsement from someone who's actually qualified to give it. Okay? And what I love about that, several key points. But this phrase he used, no investigation, no right to speak. I love that, man. That's, I got to use that. No investigation, no right to speak. Didn't do the work? Shut up. So Dr. Dr. Uh, Norman, you talk very honestly about the campaign hurdles that Dr. West has undergone. Like, okay, I'm looking at the, he's, you know, he's being a real human being. He's being a person that's open and upfront. And he's saying, look, I'm looking at the campaign. I'm like, Jesus, a lot of problems here. More authenticity, authentic realness. 
He points out that he doesn't trust people that are in power. He figures they did something to get that power. He doesn't trust people that are super successful. He feels there must have been some compromising that made them super successful. Once again, one of the reasons why I like Dr. Finkelstein is because he appears to be so authentic. He doesn't put it on. He doesn't do a lot of, you know, theatrics. But the words that he speaks are so profound and real, he doesn't need to. Get what I'm saying? He does the smell test, the forensic analysis of other scholars, and see if they're legit or not. Are they real? Do they write their own rhymes? Are they a rhyme biter? Are they a plagiarist, a plagiarist like Joe Biden was and is? You know what I'm saying? And the last point is that he said that Dr. Cornell West, if he's elected, he will be of the most well-read presidents that have ever held the Oval Office. And this is the larger point I want to get to with Dr. Finkelstein's summation of Dr. West. This is from a scholar to scholar. This is, these are two intellectual powerhouses. And one is saying, you think I got it. This guy's really got it. And that's why I say, see, when Dr. West comes on the show, he comes on my show. This layman's show, you know, this layman's show, I talk about these issues. I try to do my research. But you got to understand, folks, when Dr. West comes on my show and he's talking to me, it's, and he seems comfortable, he seems very comfortable, relaxed himself. He's so, this is why he's so successful. The man's brain it's massive, okay? And it is the it is the talent that he has where he can talk to a guy like me and make it seem very comfortable and relaxed and it be just flowing. But really, he's thinking about probably 20 different things <laughs> at one time. He is, uh, the way that he can break it down into simple terms so that we can have a conversation, that is just leads itself or lends itself, and it's only because he's such an amazingly intelligent, bright person. So when we're saying, oh, I need Dr. Cornell West to dumb it down, some people are calling it, oh, he's just babbling on about all these these higher overarching ideas. That's who he is. The man is on the level of genius. And that's just what it is. It's what it is, and one of my concerns is that I'm not sure America's ready for a well, the most well-read president. Like, they just wanted, they just had the most bullshit president, which is Donald Trump, and now we're going to go to the most well-read president. Joe Biden's probably one of the most corrupt presidents, one of the biggest phony presidents himself, and now we're going to go to the most well-read president. What a transition. That's what we're talking about when we say whiplash. Dr. West is an amazing voice because he's able to take all that knowledge, all those books he's read, all that information he's gathered, all the speeches he's given, all the papers he's written, all the books he's written, 
and be able to hang with intellectuals like Norman, Dr. Norman Finkelstein, and you know what he can do? Then he can sit down and talk to a goofball like me. Talk to a simple man like me. A very basic, have a basic conversation. And still keep you interested. And that's the greatness of Dr. West. I want to go to Dr. West now. I got a clip of Dr. West where he's going to talk about what we have to choose from, what what the choices are right now. Um, yeah, let's get to Dr. West's clip. He's singing in tune. I'm singing out of tune, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. But you all see the point I'm making? It's, unity is not unanimity. And you have to be true to yourself and raise your voice. And most importantly, put your body where your words are. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And part of the problem these days is that in a decadent empire where the Democratic Party, tied to genocidal attack in the Middle East, tied to Wall Street domination, tied to Silicon Valley domination, captive to the military-industrial complex, don't want to tell the truth about climate catastrophe, and just looking to see as many black and brown and women faces at the top as they attempt to preserve a decadent empire that's shot through with predatory capitalist processes and say, aren't you glad that we made so much progress? We say, hell no. Hell no. And the same is true for the gangster Trump himself, the neo-fascist gangster himself who's very honest and candid about his institutional hatred, very honest and candid about his organized greed, and then speaks to significant numbers of our precious citizens who are economically catching hell, who have been pushed to the ground owing to the organized greed at the top with the monopolies and oligopolies. And they're looking for an alternative to the milquetoast neoliberalism and the military adventurism of Biden. And if we can't speak to a, a significant number of them, then the country's going fascist. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about that. Yeah. No doubt about that. And no neoliberal project of Biden or Schumer or anybody else is going to sustain that fascist wave if the only alternative to that fascist wave is the milquetoast neoliberalism and the military adventurism. So now we got a, a historical moment in the American empire, meaning what? We got a one candidate calls for basically civil war number two, implicitly and sometimes explicitly. Yeah. And the other one comes with World War Three. Yeah. Ukraine, Russia, Middle East, Taiwan, China. And I can hear the words of the great W.B. Du Bois. I'll never forget when I read that moment. There it is. There it is. There it is. Aren't you glad we made so much progress? Yeah, because see, America, what they've been able to do is they've hired some women some blacks, some Asians, some LGBTQ people, and gave them seats at the table and added them into the corrupt regime that's 
of hatred, of of racism, of bigotry, of war. At least we're diverse. So that's speaking to some of the some of the same thoughts that some of us have when we say, what good is having black faces in high places if they're selling us out? That's the same thing. That's exactly the same sentiment that Dr. West is expressing in this video. What difference does it make? You know, I made a, I made a tweet, and I said, I don't think it's enough. I don't understand why people think someone who won't stand up for the Palestinians is going to stand up for black people. And I had people that didn't understand what I was talking about when I said that. They didn't get it. I thought it was very basic. Once again, if you're a public intellectual, if you're a person running for office, and you won't say, hey, it's wrong that there's an apartheid state that we fund, that we send our money to, if, you won't, if you're afraid to say that, why should I think you're going to actually stand up for black people? I mean, it's like saying you're afraid to say the water is wet. The water's wet. But you're going to tell me later you're going you're gonna to stand up for me? You don't think it's going to be something to lose by supporting black folks? John Brown was hung by the neck until he was dead. Okay? But you want to tell me you're going to get these people John Brown status who haven't done shit to earn it. Oh, since 1997, they thought black people should get reparations. Oh, that's nice. I bet you that went over real well with their cocktail parties. And I bet you all their liberal friends said, how amazing and forward-thinking you are. You're really progressive. And that probably helped them sell a lot of books. But my point is, that does not mean that person's going to actually risk their careers, wish, risk their book sales, risk, risk opportunities going away by supporting black people. Because that's what it will take. And if a person doesn't have the guts to challenge Joe Biden on Palestinians being slaughtered, I think it's a telling thing. It's a telling thing. And I'm not saying Palestinians and black people are the same. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you won't stand up for the Palestinians, you're probably not going to stand up for black people. And I'm not talking about every individual person watching this show. I'm talking about people who are politicians who say it's too risky to go against APAC. It's too risky to piss off the Democrat elites. It's too risky. Well, you know what? You know what's also risky? Standing up for black people. And I don't mean standing up for them trying to get a, trying to get a George Floyd holiday or a, you know, Breonna Taylor Avenue or a hip-hop day or to wear kitty cloth on the Capitol Hill day or get Juneteenth a holiday. I'm talking about literally standing up for black people. Jobs, investment, community, education, wealth, equality. Racial wealth gap closed. Reparations. You think people are going to stand up for that? Those people that stand up for that aren't going to take a hit? I want to see that the people that are willing to stand up for that are actually going to stand there and take what comes with that. And if you can't stand up, 
if you won't stand up when America's sending billions of dollars to aid in the destruction of another people, if you won't even have the guts to say, hey, this is something we should not do, we should not fund this, I don't, I don't believe you're going to stand up for black people in that case because that doesn't show that you have a real backbone. And saying I got a few black friends ain't the same thing as going to the hangman's noose, losing your job. See, Norman Finkelstein lost jobs and opportunities in 10 years because he was standing on principle. He has proven he's willing to lose. Dr. West has lost 10 years in jobs and opportunities, standing up for what he believes. He's actually walked the walk. But you want me to think that other people have that same commitment to us without having to actually demonstrate it. What has these people actually lost? What has RFK Jr. lost by supporting black people? And if you say they haven't lost anything, I question if they really support black people because really supporting black people leads to loss. I lost things supporting black people. Almost lost my little tiny business because three years ago, I started talking. I had the unfortunate um, happening. Something happened to me three years ago. I came down with a condition of reparations. Yeah, I brought on Dr. Sandy Darity, and I brought on Dr. Derek Hamilton, and I brought on Dr. Elwood Watson, and I brought on a series of other doctors who made me realize just how bad off black people were, and then I had to change my politics. I felt like then I realized, hey, we can't just wait for health care. We can't just fight for climate change. We got to fight for black people right now, this moment, drop it all. It's that important or we are going to go extinct in a country we built for free against our will. And I started losing stuff because people didn't watch me to talk about that. They didn't want to hear me talk about that. It's one thing when I talked about Tamir Rice, they would just avoid that video. It was one thing when I talked about Breonna Taylor, they would just avoid that video. It was one thing when I talked about George Floyd, ah, they could try to just avoid that video. But when I started talking about what was going on with black people in America and did it show after show after show, all of a sudden my money cut in half, people ran from me, people were sent after me, all this shit happened. So I lost stuff fighting for black people. If you're going to tell me somebody supports black people, but you cannot tell me what they've lost. Not theoretically, but realistically, what have they lost? And what have they fought for other people, particularly people that aren't black? What have they fought, what have they fought for other people and lost shit? It's important. You got to have a chin. You know, when you look at boxes, doesn't matter how good a boxer you are, if you got no chin. Doesn't matter if you can punch 70, you know, 70 punches around or whatever. If you got no chin, if you can't take a punch, I need to know that people can take a punch. You need to know if people can take a punch. Are they willing to take a punch or will they take a dive as soon as the arm goes back? Come on, Johnson. Talk to me now. 
So I thought that was pretty clear. I mean, I don't get that many characters on Twitter, but I try. I think I use enough characters to say it. And I'm not saying black people and Palestinians are the same thing. And yes, I understand that a number of people are not that concerned with what's going on in Gaza. I'm not you. But I can tell you this, politicians who don't have the heart to say, oh, a genocide is wrong, or to say bombing kids is wrong. More kids have been killed in Gaza in 50 days than almost 12 months of war in Ukraine. And we got politicians who won't say it, who won't say, hey, this shit needs to stop. We got people running for office who won't say, hey, this shit needs to stop. But you think they're going to go to the mat for you? You think they're going to stand up really for you, for us? Really? What evidence do you have? What data do you have to support your assertion? So that's what I'm saying. See, I believe that Dr. Cornell West will stand up for black people for real. I believe he has a conviction, okay, towards standing up for things he believes in. And I believe black people, as put into his campaign, as he put in this campaign, the commitment that he has to black America, I believe he will stand up for that, and that he will not back down from it. That's what I believe. And I believe he's a person who has lost shit before and is willing to lose more shit behind what he actually believes. And we got people that haven't proven that. So when you talk to me about Marianne Williamson or you talk to me about RFK Jr. or Jenk Uger or Dean Phillips, it don't make sense. And as a person who analyzes this stuff for a living, I don't do something else. I don't go sell cars and then come back and do a show on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? I have no data to represent, to present the argument that those other people actually going to stand up for black people when it counts. So that's, where, that's why I have support for Dr. Cornel West. That's where my support comes from. So I'm looking forward to the election. Go to cornelwest2024.com, support the election, it's been rocky. Dr. Norman Finkelstein is correct. The campaign has been rocky. I know some people have been wondering what the hell is going on. What's up with his management staff? Who's the campaign manager? Who's handling this? Who's handling that? And I get all of that. But when you have non-career politicians launching a political operation, you're going to have some bumps and bruises and some potholes you're going to hit in, on the way. But still, when it comes from it, when it comes down, when a rubber meets the road, I believe Dr. West is the best candidate. I'm with Norman Finkelstein, Norman Finkelstein, Dr. Norman Finkelstein. I'm with Dr. West, and I believe that's the best candidate. So give it up for that. All right. We'll, put, we'll hold off on the commercial. <laughs> We'll hold off for the commercial. Check this out, guys. Uh, there's this little town called Dalton, Illinois. And Dalton, Illinois has a mayor by the name of Tiffany Haynard. And Tiffany Haynard is a mess. Yeah, I saw this story. Something flashed on my timeline a couple weeks ago about this 
younger black woman being a mayor of a town in Illinois where she had all these allegations of overspending and improper use of funds and showboating and all this other stuff. And I was like, well, that's interesting, but I'm not going to get into it. I had pretty much a full day, a full, you know, a full table of work to do. <coughs> so I didn't dig into it. Well, I took some time to, look, to do some looking into it now. And I'm here to report that this is crazy. Yeah, folks, it's crazy. Tiffany Henyard, Henyard, she says she's the super mayor. Super mayor. She is super mayor, super mayor. Here's my thing, guys, whenever I hear people who talk like that about themselves, I wonder, How big of a narcissist are you? I mean, when you're when you're a public servant, your job is to serve the public. How about I'm the super server of my people? I'm the super, I'm making super things happen for my constituents. I'm making super things, I'm making a super living situation. I'm making life super indulgent. Yeah. That's what I would think would be the spokes model thing, the uh, slogan. Yeah, that should be the slogan. I'm making life super in Dalton for the people that live in Dalton. Come to Dalton because I'm making life super for us. And then I would go with that. Dalton is the mayor of a South Suburban, the mayor of South Suburban Dalton, uh, Tiffany Hayner. She's been fired the police chief. She done been accused of misrepresenting funds, of taking money over here and putting it over there, of, of funding herself and hiring her own company to do stuff. And, like, just all types of craziness. I got a couple clips. Here goes one. Uh, let's start with the clip about her avoiding questions about spending. What was the purpose of going to Springfield? Oh, that's what that is. What was the purpose of going to Springfield? Hey, she doesn't have any more comments, guys. Oh, we're going to talk. She we're doesn't have talk. any more comments. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. Hey, no, she does. Hey, she does. Yeah. You're, on, you're on the board. You're on the board. She doesn't have any comments. Appreciate that. I appreciate that. Hey, she doesn't have any comments. This way. This way. I appreciate it. What, what was the what was the purpose of going to Springfield? The Dalton Police Department afford to have this many officers attached to her detail? We can. We really need them patrolling the streets. So she's the part-time mayor of a South Suburban village of a little more than 20,000 people. Yet residents of Dalton are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars per year to provide security for their self-proclaimed super mayor. Tonight, Fox 32 investigates Tiffany Henyard's security detail and the massive amount of overtime it is generating for a handful of officers. Now to campaign 2022 and a recall fight in Chicago's south suburbs. People in the village of Dalton voted to kick the mayor out of office. But as CBS 2's Jermont Terry reports, the mayor is not going anywhere for now. So, <laughs> it's crazy, Johnson. Listen, listen um, 
spending practices, controversial spending practices. According to what I've uncovered, uh, she's been hiring herself, and she's not only the town supervisor, she's also the mayor. Uh, some say the FBI may be taking a look at it. I couldn't confirm that. She's known for her flamboyant, flamboyant persona and uh, to attract attention. Here's the thing, guys. Tiffany Haynard is not the first politician who thought she was in the movies. She's doing a Donald Trump. She's, she's marketing herself. And she sees this job as a stepping stone to a national profile. That's what I gleaned from this whole thing. That's what she's trying to do. That seems like the real purpose behind this crap she's got going on. But you got to ask yourself, how did she get this position? What'd she do? Who'd she run against? I mean, this woman is literally at town meetings playing Rihanna music. Be better have my money. She'd be tripping, reenacting scenes from New Jack City in front of people that don't even know what New Jack City is. I mean, she's not the first politician to seek notoriety. And quite as it's kept, guys, um, I've interviewed politicians on this channel, uh, people who were new to politics, who talked about finding out, man, this is how corrupt politicians are, a lot of politicians are. In local, a lot of local politics, we got some people that are willing to threaten your life, flatten your tires, seek, uh, sick the police force after you. All types of little dirty things happen in local politics. I mean, I want you to know that what's going on in Dalton is not that different than I've heard about in New Jersey under the rule of something, certain politicians. I've had people on this show who who ran for city council or faced similar types of obstacles and similar similar types of threats and dealt with similar types of uh, maniacal, obsessive, fanatical, people self-indulgent liars. And, I'm, and I just want you to know, it's really not that unique what she's doing. It's getting publicity because she's so young. She's the first black female mayor of this town. And she's the youngest mayor of this town. So she's got a lot of first. But at the end of the day, I gotta ask, what did she run on? And what is she getting done for the people? This whole idea that she's doing for herself, to me, doesn't seem like a great selling point. How does that help the people of Dalton? I have no idea. I don't see it. They did a recall, but the recall was unsuccessful. They said it was unconstitutional. I don't even know what that's all about. She's got a security guard, a security detail that would make P. Diddy go, damn. All right, girl. What are we really talking about here? What's really going on? And as much as I want to scrutinize that whole thing, man, and call it out, I got to ask, how'd you get the damn job? As whack as she is, she didn't hire herself. Yeah, as whack as she is, she did not elect herself. She did not appoint herself, right? Somebody appointed her. The people voted for her. Looks like people are going to have to vote her out. I will wager this, though. I'm going to put this out there. 
at some point it's all going to come to an end. And she will have to pay the price for all the shit she's been doing. Because that's how life works most of the time. At least for us, that's how it works. I mean, Bill Cosby couldn't get away with it. P. Diddy looks like he's not going to get away with it. Come on. You know, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying, black people have a tendency of getting caught up uh, and not having the same protections that some of our whiter, lighter colleagues might get. And And also not getting the same level of innocent before guilty or the same level of, hey, you know, kids being kids. You know what I'm saying? So I expect there to be this rapid rise will result in a rapid decline and a fall from grace and maybe even some jail time. Who knows? I'm not wishing that on this sister at all, but what I'm saying is, haven't we seen this play out before? I'm the one who covered a story in Baltimore where the mayor, Pugh, I think her name was Catherine Pugh, she did similar type of shit in Baltimore, and it all came crashing down. I think she's in jail right now. I think. I don't remember. But it came crashing down because that's what happens. Despite her supporters' praise for her community initiatives, Hendrick's leadership continues to attract scrutiny and criticism. You got to wonder how this person won the election. We got to get better. Got to get better at picking our people, but it just makes me wonder who ran against her and what was she selling? You know, I think the charisma, I think the flamboyance, people, people wanted it. They wanted some swag. I ask myself all the time, how did Eric Adams win the New York race? Swagger. Swagger. It is what it is. I don't know who she was up against, but. Uh, last but not least, the Democrats held a debate without Biden. <laughs> Democrats held a debate without Biden on the same night that the Republicans did their debate, and it was over on the TYT network, and about two people watched it. Yeah, may, may, I'm sure there were more people than that. I didn't even know about it until today that there was actually a debate. It included Jack Uger, obviously. Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson. And they talked about the issues and how horrible Joe Biden is. And here's the deal, guys. Hey, it don't matter because none of those people are going to be around in a couple months. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, if you're running as a Democrat in the corrupt Democratic Party, with Joe Biden as the incumbent, the Democrats are not going to allow there to be an honest debate. And if they can control it, they will control it. So that's the reason why I've never once for a second even considered any of the Democrats that are running, because I knew there was no point in it. It's obvious. And if this guy, Dean Phillips, who's a multimillionaire, wanted this thing to actually have an opportunity to met out, to actually get himself more than just a little bit more name recognition, if he was in it for some real reasons, he'd have put his money where his mouth is. Dean Phillips is not putting his money where his mouth is. That's why they had a debate 
on the TYT network, and that's why no one saw it, because he's not serious. Uh, Joe Biden is a clear Democratic frontrunner, but it's the same guy who's trailing in all the polls. He himself, he is trailing. And the most important problems facing America, inflation, immigration in the border, the state of democracy, and then comes the war. But those are the top issues. Verse Israel-Hamas war. What else we got? Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas conflict is going south, man. People are not liking Joe Biden's support of the war. It's going the wrong way if you're going into an election, Johnson. That's not a good thing. So I'm looking at all that's happening with the Democrats, and I'm just saying, folks, it's becoming very evident that the Democratic Party is in trouble. But I'm still going to need more data to say how much. Yeah, Joe Biden's poll numbers are down. I can say that with a fact. Can I say the Democrats are in, are in trouble? Like I can't really make that claim. I want to say, yeah, the Democrat Party has been doing right by the poor people, by the white people, by the black people, by the Asians, by anybody except their donors. And I'm, I want to say they're paying a price for that, and they will pay a price for it. But it's not showing in the data yet. What is what has been shown is that Joe Biden's not going doing well. It's showing that people are not happy about having a president run who's about to be 82 years old. People are not into it. They're not feeling it, okay? And that's on top of all the other stuff and all the other thoughts that people have. Then you add on top of that the thing with Hunter Biden. I don't know if you're aware, but the president's son just got indicted on several counts. escalation of the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden, the president's son now accused of a criminal scheme of tax fraud. A new indictment charging Biden with failing to pay his taxes on time and instead spending millions of dollars on an extravagant lifestyle. A federal jury in Los Angeles indicting Hunter Biden on nine counts, including three felonies. The 56-page indictment saying Biden earned millions in income between 2016 and 2020, but the defendant spent this money on drugs, escorts, and girlfriends, luxury hotels and rental properties, exotic cars, clothing, and other items of a personal nature. In short, everything but his taxes. Prosecutors laying out a devastating portrait of Hunter Biden creating false business deductions. In one example, prosecutors alleging that Biden wired an employee money and labeled it a golf member deposit, when according to prosecutors, it was used to purchase a membership in a sex club. That good. Yeah, I know Hunter Biden's not the one running for president. Yeah, I know you didn't vote for Hunter Biden. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And Joe's such a great guy. This is not good, Johnson. It don't look good when your 45, 50-year-old son is in this much trouble. And, uh, yeah, and your business partners 
That's what people forget. They forget that they're business partners. We got Joe Biden on the phone with his son. But he's somehow oblivious that all his finances are shit. He's buying hookers and stuff and doing blow. He's got how many counts? I think it's... How many counts has he been indicted on? Tax fraud indictments. President Biden's son, Hunter, has been indicted on nine federal tax charges by a grand jury in California, three of which are felonies. So, how are the Democrats trying to counter what's happening with Hunter? A series of new developments out of Fulton County, Georgia, signaling the potential for a blockbuster trial. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporting, top senior Trump officials are included on the prosecution's nearly 200-person witness list. Among those names, former Attorney General Bill Barr, who Trump called a coward during an event last night. Steve Bannon, who Trump called the greatest BSer last night as well. And former Vice President Mike Pence, who we all know Trump said to hang. And in an exclusive new reporting in The Guardian by my next guest, previously unreported emails suggest the prosecution is dropping pretty obvious hints at its endgame for some of the defendants in the Georgia RICO case. While communicating with the attorneys for the remaining RICO defendants, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis writes, quote, we have a long road ahead. Long after these folks are in jail, we will still be practicing law. The operative word there being jail. That's right. That's right. You got it right, Johnson. They're going to try to lock up Trump. They're going to do their best to lock Trump up and lock up people that work for him until they roll it up, try to get them to flip on Trump because they got to find some way to stop this guy because this guy's really got bad ideas about what to do with the apple cart. He's talking about elibor- eliminating certain government agencies. So when you hear people talk about <clears throat> Trump is trying to get rid of our democracy, that's because of this 2025 project thing where they want to get rid of certain federal type of institutions, like the Department of uh, Commerce or whatever, the EPA. Uh, they want to fire like half of the federal workers and like all these things. They some you know this that this project is saying if it gets implemented and it's it's pushed by the conservatives that they want to implement if they get Trump in office. So that's what that whole democracy being stolen thing is derived from. So the idea is that the way they want to stop Trump is they want to say, hey, well, he's trying to steal our democracy, boogeyman, 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 and the only way to get him stopped is to send him to jail, so we got to come up with a way to lock him up. I don't think it's that hard to imagine that if Hunter's dirty, and he was working with his dad. That dad may have some dirty practices as well. And I don't think that's a bigger stretch, a big stretch. I mean, it'd be different if they weren't in business together. It'd be different if there weren't emails and phone calls and conversations and Joe Biden being sometimes present at meetings. Yeah, if you got your dad present at a meeting, and then he says he doesn't know anything about the meeting, or it doesn't make sense. And this leads me back to my larger, my larger narrative. My larger point is this. It's a damn good time to be running against the Democrats and the Republicans because when you got this going on, a third party is starting to look good to a lot of people. 
Jill Stein got a million votes back in 2016. That's no small amount. I never had a million people do anything for me. A million people voted for Dr. Jill Stein. I wonder how much, how many votes could a guy who appeared in the Matrix get? Dr. Cornell West should be able to triple that easily. That's what I'm talking about, Johnson. See where I'm going on this? So it's a very good time to be in a third party right now. It's a very good time for independence. It's a very good time to be RFK Jr. I wish I thought that RFK Jr. had some real substantive, like, I just don't trust that he's running for the right reasons. Maybe I'm crazy. I'm just not feeling it. But it's a good time to run as an independent, guys. It's a good time to offer an alternative because the first time, I believe this is the first time America is not just considering it, they're dying for an independent party. They're dying for a way out of avoiding voting for John for Joe Biden. It's, it's, it's right there for the making, man. It's right there for the making and the taking. Folks, <clears throat> look, this is the reason why I say it's so important for us to keep it real about where we are. We got time. We can build up more momentum. We can continue to spread the word. We can continue to bring in more people into the fold. We can continue to expand the movement. But let's admit where we actually are so we give ourselves the incentive to expand the movement. We got to know we got to do the push-ups. We got to do the sit-ups. We got to run the laps. We got to stop eating the fried chicken. We got to eat right. We got to balance the workout. We got to get up early. We got to stay up late. We got to get the word out. We got to spread the the news, the news, the good news. We got to make it happen. We cannot just say we did it already when we haven't done it already. Okay? And that's all I'm trying to say. That's my critique. That's where I'm at because I want us to win for real. I don't just want more people to watch the show. I want us to win. I want my kids to actually grow up in an America where there's more than two parties to vote for. Get what I'm saying? We got an opportunity to get us a lot closer to making that a reality every time there's a ballot cast. And that's, my friends, is a worthy goal. That's something for me to get up about. That's something for us all to be pumped up about. But just realize, it's going to take work. It's going to take work to make sure Jim Clyburn and Sheila Jackson Lee get the hell out of office. It's going to take work to make sure the... Black faces in high spaces holding places for the establishment and the Congressional Black Caucus doing the bidding of the Democratic Party over the bidding of working black folks. We got to get rid of them. It's going to take work for us to be able to expose them and expunge them. The canker sore. It's going to take work to drain the swamp for real, for real. Okay? That's going to take a lot of work. I'm down to do my part in the work. I hope you are. I'm serious as a heart attack about this, all right? I'm super serious. Not like Miss Tiffany where I'm a super mayor. I want to provide super results, okay? I want super results, and I'm willing to do super amounts of work. I'm willing to work for it. I hope you are too. It's a new day, but only if we make it that way. I'm Tim Black. Find me as Real Tim Black on all these platforms. Joe Biden has given us a gift of himself. 
his pompous arrogance, his self-centeredness has given this opportunity to put the Democrats on notice. Let's not fall down on the job, Johnson. Let's put their asses on notice, man. His own egotistical need to be president has put the Democrats in a position, Johnson. Oh, man, a position where we can benefit. I want to thank all my people on Patreon. Let me thank all my Patreon people, my people on YouTube as well. Um, Ida B. Wells is the new mo. I got new emoticons to use on your comments. Ida B. Wells. We got um, Nina Simone. Of course, we got Dr. Cornell West. We got the No Joe in the representing. The No Joe. We got Dr. Uh, um, Dr. Sandy Darity as well. And, and look, look, guys, we got um, we got a lot of work to do, but I appreciate you guys being a part of helping me be able to get it done, doing my part. And uh, you're doing your part by sharing the show and supporting the show if you can. Okay? So go to jointinblack.com to become a member of the show. It's not $100. It's not $20. It's only $5 to be a supporter of this content. So thank you so much. That's where we started, only five bucks. I appreciate you. I do. I appreciate you. Am I in the right business? I hope so. It's all love, Johnson. I'll see you on the next one. Everybody be safe. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thanks for spending it with us. And remember, don't you let nobody take your cornbread. When they say, yo, I thought we was going to vote blue anywho. Tell them, man, it's a new day. All right, my name is Tim Black. You know how to find me? Go to jointimblack.com. Lord knows. Lord knows. It'd be a good thing if you did. But you don't have to because God willing, I'll be back Wednesday at 8 p.m. still talking my stuff. And then I'll be back again next Sunday. Still talking my stuff. Uncompromised and unbought, unbossed. All right. That's it. I'm gone. Got nothing but love for you. And to my haters, I'll still be back. And when we rise and we get up, I'll remember you as you, as you remember me. Wolfpack.